Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Please welcome back to the podcast for the third time, Jason Aird. Now Jason is the founder of the Met Club Legacy Members unofficial fan page on Facebook. And we get Jason onto the show to talk all things Metallica. Now he's recently just come back from San Francisco where he watched the 40th anniversary show. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, to name a few. We also have a YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates. At Tell Craig Your Story. And we have VK for our Russian listeners. And we chat for our Chinese listeners. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Jason Ed talking all things Metallica on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Jace. How are you doing today? Craig, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. First person to be on three times, so you must be doing something right, mate. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate <laughs> metal horns and happy new year to all your followers. And again, I really appreciate you having me back and talking all things Metallica. What better That's... thing is there to talk about in life than Metallica? Well, <laughs> like we were just saying before, um, I just interviewed a rapper from the US and then it's like, out of my comfort zone just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a left turn, right turn, maybe a little bit through the middle. <laughs> but now now it's it's safe. It's my happy place. Yeah, safe place. <laughs> yeah, it's my safe place too. <laughs> yeah, oh, 
so let's start off like we'll talk about 40th anniversary next but I see Jason in, in newspaper articles talking about, you know, you're traveling overseas. What is going on there, mate? Congratulations. Oh, oh thank you. Well, yeah, well, look, it's actually a good friend of mine that's actually been pestering me around doing a story around the passion and the commitment and dedication to follow those things that you actually love. So there was an element of that. And also uh, just around just getting back into life again, just mm. putting aside what we've gone through in the last two years and unpacking everything we've gone through. And we all have a story, no doubt. We all have a story, but it was just great to sort of get a bit of an opportunity to sort of express and be acknowledged in that way around my passion towards Metallica and making that commitment and that that process of getting back into life again, which is which is an important mm. message, I guess. I yeah. feel yeah, feel very humbled and honoured to get that opportunity. Yeah, and like you're not one to sort of like brag about that all the time. So if you meet meet someone, you might not even talk about that. So that's no, good that, no, you know, that not at all, not at all. The newspaper can sort of show that and you know show how passionate you really are. Again, again, I've been pestered for quite a few years. I look at this story and I'm thinking, look, I don't want to sort of put myself in that position where you're, you're right. I, I do feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about numbers and show numbers and all these type of elements that a lot of people like to be. The competitive aspect of sometimes being in a fan base or mm. yeah, that, that, that type of aspect of looking at that. But it was more about the, the main reason I did it was just to say, look, it's okay uh, we've got to learn to live with the situation yeah. that we're in and, and just to follow through on those things and just to push that that part of it more to the forefront of just, well, here's so-and-so for, that's just gone overseas and following his passion. It's also the element of just telling a story around that aspect, but also, look, just get out and live life again. It's Life is to be lived and just stop, stop being held back by fear. And I felt, I felt just felt this was a really good time for that to sort of get out there. So, yeah, I went into a, went into um, Sydney publication, which was great. The initial story was just going to be local, but it just sort of went a little bit further than I actually thought it would. So it ended up in the Sydney Daily Telegraph, or Saturday edition. So there was quite a decent bit of responsive feedback around the story itself, obviously the Metallica-related part. But again, just the, the element of, look, someone's actually being brave, or if you want to use that word, going back out, following their passion and putting the last couple of years behind us and just steering forward into that aspect of getting back to life. So, yeah, yeah again, great, great little um, opportunity to do that. And it is a big part of your life too, mate. So, you know, yeah. when you don't get that itch at your back, you know, come on, I want to. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, that the last couple of years has highlighted that and exposes all those, all those things. And we'll, we'll talk about it later, but just the, you know, that emotional element of, following your passion and being passionate about something, you've got to really take that opportunity to to hang on to those things, and you know whether it's gardening or whatever it is for you subjectively, but you've just got to follow it and just keep hold of it, and it's, it's a big part of life. So, again, it was a good opportunity and 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 very humbled to, to be sort of putting that forefront, particularly very publicly. So, um, yeah. yeah, great for, for myself. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's all talking about your last trip. Uh, overseas you were able to get over to san francisco late last year uh, to watch the 40th anniversary shows so was it a hard process to get over to the u.s uh, at this stage yeah. being in australia and then tell us about that well obviously the timeline as in leading up to the event was 
we started off with the show being announced. So in that specific time, mm. I think it was maybe June or July, we yes. actually just went into full lockdown. So ah. we were in a level five lockdown. So there was a process there of just uh, in that specific time frame was, well, we're not going to be able to go. So you couldn't get tickets and excitement and the buzz because America was just opening up. They just started all their sporting events, except yeah. for they just started music, just started to kick off. But we were in a totally different phase. So there was that element and that sort of um, followed through into getting closer into our vaccination rates, rah, rah, rah. And then basically there was started to be a little bit of a glimmer of hope that we were going to get to a certain threshold to open our international borders. And it was just all timing. So, I mean, you can look at that any way you like, but I just see it as a bit of a divine intervention, if you want to call that, that there was just a window of opportunity opened up. So, yeah, so the process obviously changed as we went into early December with Omicron. So then there was a fear mm. of of border closures, and uh, particularly from the American end to the Australian end, and then there's also the procedural aspects of just international travel itself at the moment. So... I mean, it's quite complex, quite complicated. There's PCR testing, which changed from 72 hours prior to your boarding to 24 hours, and then you've got to source out, um, source um, specific and legitimate authorised um, testing sites, and the whole process was – it was a, a journey, but very well worth it in the end, yeah. definitely. And then, and then you got over there, and uh, I saw photos of you sort of mingling with the fan club, uh, fan page, you know, how cool was it to see all these people that you probably haven't seen for like two or three years, right? Yeah, well, it was, it was exactly nearly two years to the to SNM2, coincidentally in exactly in the same city and in the same arena, et cetera. So ah. it, was, well, it was 2019. So all that element, I, I think for me that's just, just as important as actually the music itself now is that connection with, with people that have the same passion and love for the same thing you do and that element of, of, of being family, you know, you, you're part of it, the the Met family, as we like to christen it. So, again, just being reacquainted and reunited with people that I hadn't seen from the 30-year shows or SNM2 or haven't seen for a period of time and all coming together and that element of just bonding and just reconnecting was just amazing and just another layer and another brilliant part of, yeah, that experience. Telling some good stories. And then the day come of the shows and – for the diehard fans, it's always interesting to see like set sets. What's they're gonna play? Are they gonna have any guests? Are they gonna, you know, what are they gonna do? You know, because the 30th anniversary was uh, so unique and just so intimate, and the celebrities that they have and the people that come on to to play was just amazing. I was like, okay, what are they gonna do for 40? So, what were your sort of preconceived ideas of, of the show and what were your sort of expectations? Yeah. Well, I mean, expectation always outweighs reality, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're that's right. True. I mean, you you explained it better than what I could there with. There's always going to be the comparative elements around the 30 year shows, mm. and uh, again, your own expectations. But uh, like, I'll be I'll be really brutally honest. I actually really didn't have any. I was just being there. Yeah, and, like, being it, yeah. Because you've got to you've got to actually put this these shows in the context of, of, of a pandemic and what we've experienced beforehand. So, and that in the context of an Australian fan as well, we were so isolated for so long. And then we obviously saw the rest of the world opening up while we were still in lockdown due to a different phase. So, I mean, you had all that element and it just sort of exposes just how you feel. So for me, it was just actually getting there. And then when I actually got in the country, it was like a bit of a relief, but even then it's like, oh, something's going to happen. And, 
there's going to be an issue here. And then, yeah, just that emotional release of just, you know, seeing the band again and uh, so you reconnecting to, with it. Yeah. So you had to have the code, you have to have the mask. Is that is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's a, that's a, well, I don't want to get too political, but yeah. um, California is a democratic state, so they follow all, uh, all COVID policies, procedures. So you had to Got be it. double vaxxed. You had to wear a mask. It wasn't heavily the compliance aspect, I would say, and uh, show proof of vaccine. I'll just add that. But it wasn't heavily compliant as in the compliance aspect. So it was obviously shown there was procedural aspects. But, yeah, and then, and then there's an also element around your own personal responsibility. If you want to take things even further with your own protection, which I, which yeah. I agree with too, there, there was that element as well. So, yeah, all that was all. All part of the process to for the shows to go ahead, and when you looked at the timeline with Omicron, etc., like it just was the perfect fit in and around that specific time. Because I think if it was maybe delayed or there was a time lapse, uh, there actually could have been an opportunity for it to be cancelled. So thankfully, it didn't. Yeah, and you know they come out, they had all these uh, like stories and pictures of you know in chronological order. That was really, really cool to see that they, yeah. Jason and, and Cliff and, you know, and the road crew as well. That was really cool to sort of give them uh, some acknowledgement. But the set list for the first night, I do believe they went from Kill em All and then they just sort of picked like maybe one or two songs yep. from, from each album. I thought that was a great idea. What, tell us what, what you thought about. Yeah. And oh, you're 100% right. I think the chronological aspect of, of starting from their debut album and then follow that right through each individual album to their latest to Hardwired was was a brilliant move. And again, it just that that's just Metallica at their best, where they can reinvent certain things, add a little bit of surprise, and then and, and break the that sort of expectation up, and then really throw something at you around that 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 type of that type of element in a set list because. You, you could follow a, a very generic sort of path, but even, even even with that aspect of following chronologically, there's there's songs in there that they play that haven't been played for ten years. There was mm. a world premiere in there with uh, Fixer. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, uh, trapped under rice. Look, I could go on on a shorter straw. Yeah. There was just each each specific song just fitted really well, and it was really balanced and really you could tell that was really thought out. And the production side of it as well the, from the show was one element I really want to emphasise was just really brilliant. It was just a really, really um, brilliant show from that aspect. Yeah. The only one sort of surprise that they didn't think, but uh, I guess they, they didn't want to do something similar to the 30th anniversary shows was having like some guests come on, like maybe Jason mm. or, or, you know, Dave Mustaine or whoever, you know. Yeah. Um, did, was that a sort of surprise for you or just – not, not particularly. Again, like we, like as fans of the band, we sort of acknowledge all those things around. They never sort of repeat themselves. They've already done yeah. that. That was part yeah. of the 30-year. You explained it earlier around the surprise element, the special guests. Do you sort of want to follow that sort of same sort of process or pattern um, and try and be comparable to the 30-year shows or do you want to sort of offer something a little bit different and, and go off in a different direction? So you're right. They did acknowledge band members, ex-band yeah. members throughout, not only the set list, following through certain yeah. years of, of, of their um, history, but the production side, and I'm not, and, I, and I did see the, the live stream 
um, version as well, other than just being there itself. They really done that brilliantly of, of acknowledging ex-members and uh, other specific people within the, the history of the band. So, I mean, they, they acknowledge them in that sense, not obviously not f- physically having them on stage. So, of course, there were a lot, there were, there were, there's going to be people that go, oh, oh it would have been great if Jason got, there was, a, there was a jam with Jason. Of course, there's that element. Yeah. But then you're sort of missing out. Then you're sort of missing the the um the point that well, we've already done that. That was yeah. the knowledge of the 30 years. We're, we've moved away from that. We're going to do something different and 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 not sort of repeat ourselves. So no, I didn't have an issue with not not having any special guests. No. Yeah. And I think like with the 30th, that was more intimate. So it was like a like yeah. a so there was less people there. It was small stays. So having guests come out, you know, but. When you've got your own sort of stage and you know everyone's there to see you, so I guess that's yeah. sort of like a good thing. Yeah, um, no, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say the thirty year shows. You're right. Was was like a small theatre, and you could have that. Particularly, particularly from a production standpoint, you could ha- add that element of having special guests. Whereas mm. the, the production side of a, sh- a large scale show, like yeah. in, in, in the Chase Arena, which is huge, and just the, the stage production itself. Like it just probably wouldn't have really fit in. It probably wouldn't have, have, have projected as well as just Jason just walking out or coming off the balcony like he did. It was just so sort of <laughs> loose and sort of there was just so much happening. And, and but it fitted for that specific time, and it also mm. sp- specifically fitted for that type of theater and, and that type of venue. Just sort of thinking of now, it tells it, it told like a good story. Like even if you weren't like a huge like Metallica fan. You, you you could see like the chronological sort of order of their history. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you mean from the from the setly standpoint for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, a young, you, like you, yeah. Well, I mean, you open with uh, "Hit the Lights," which is off their first That's... debut album, and then you chronologically follow mm. down through their next releases all the way down to their latest album. So yeah. there's so much back catalogue. There's so many quality songs. I mean, we could sit here all day and say, well, here's that. But, you know, taking (laughs) that first three songs of the first night, Hit the Lights, Creeping Death, Trapped Under Ice. I mean, my God, like, I was literally on my heart. Not a bad bad start. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so much, so high energy, fast paced. And then you go into, so that that went went into Kill Em All, into Ride the Lightning. And then then you're into Sanitarium. And then then you go into... um, Master of Puppets. So then you went into Sanitarium off Master of Puppets and uh, and then Orion as well. So then you mm, and now yeah. then then Shorter Straw and then one in, into the into um Injustice for All and then you're chronologically following down into the Black Album and right down into into your loads and reloads. Uh, different, totally different era, different type of musical direction, but it just all fitted perfectly. And then you had one of the true highlights was. Obviously, the world premiere of Fixer, which Fixer. is, yeah. And you know what? Like, uh, the load and reload, you know, they played, like, in order. It yeah. didn't feel out of place. Like, no. those load or reload out songs. So that that's really Not cool. at all. Mm. No, yeah, you're 100% right there. And, and that that's the thing. And, and it did expose that, if that's the word you want to use, because they are very rarely played songs in current set lists outside yeah. of any sort of special special gig. They really are sort of. I, I use the word as a travesty. They actually neglect that era to a degree because maybe other than maybe fuel and memory, memory remains. Yeah. They're relatively the only two off those albums and like songs like Bleeding Me, Wasting yes. My Hate, 
like I could, it just they're so blues orientated. But you're right, they really do fit in with what we call the staples or the greatest hits or whatever. And it's, it was yeah, it was just brilliant to experience that again, and 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 for them to take that opportunity and to challenge themselves as well, which is another element yeah. too. They really challenge themselves and push themselves in a direction that that maybe they could take into the future, which is which is another interesting conversation to have. And that's my next question. A new song. Yeah. You know, it's been, well, nearly four or five years now for, five, for hard work, five, hard work. Yeah. So surely the, the brains are ticking with the riffs. You know, Kurt, Kurt's jogging on the spot where he didn't get much input for Hardwired. So I'm sure the band has plenty of material ready to go. Yeah. So um, they just seem to be sort of, Continuing touring, you know, I see they booked South America, rebooked South America, and like they're doing Europe again this summer. When are they going to go into the recording studio, Jay? Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a $64,000 million question, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, who, who really, really actually knows? But I mean, yeah. again, being being in the fan base, and you do know people that know people. I don't want mm. to get too much into that type of talk, but. Yeah. People that do know people within the context of, of of the band are actually saying they actually are pretty far along with, right. a, new, with a new album. If that's true, again, I yeah. don't specifically know myself, but well, um, makes sense. well, what I do know, yeah, and what I do know is is um they did the All Within My Hands benefit show at November last year. That was the last sort of public uh, appearance they did up until March of this year, where was the 25-year anniversary of actually Master of Puppets. So they did a TV appearance. Yeah. yeah for, for a TV, it was actually a TV appearance. They played Battery in HQ. And they actually did a couple of TV appearances in around that time. So a few interviews have actually come out. And I know James did one, which is quite strange for James, but he's very open and honest. And they had actually written quite a fair bit through the first lock code through COVID in the mm. lockdown. They were doing Zoom writing sessions. And then that, that sort of snowboard into um, – them getting together for that benefit show, rolling into being more comfortable, getting together and being face to face. And again, um, James really being open and saying, "Look, we've got, we've got." I think it was actually ten songs written. Mm. So, I mean, we won't know that, but it could be a bit like Hardboy, where all of a sudden one one day we wake up and they just, because that's yeah. just sort of way music's released these days, isn't it? There's no posters on wall saying. Your up and coming album in two weeks is just boom, <laughs> here's a new song. So you just don't really know, do you? And uh, as you rightly say, with, with festival dates coming up, rescheduled leg in South America, you just never know. There's, yeah. It's not a bad opportunity if you're going to use those shows to promote a new album. So, yeah, there's, there's obviously um, speculation and conjecture around whether a new album's not too far away. So, that answers your question i'm not quite sure but as we know with metallica i mean metallica's when it comes to new albums and new releases can be quite tedious and quite <laughs> quite frustrating at times but that's just how they work and we this is something that we've all come to become accustomed to really that's right <laughs> for years lars is like saying yeah. oh we, we want to go into the recording studio more and and you know bring out more music for the fans and it's like Oh yeah, we're gonna tour for twelve months here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the new single's doing great, so we're gonna go over here. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's what happens true, when the biggest band. That happens when you're one of the biggest bands in the world. So yeah, um, yeah. People want to see you, and I, I'm sure when they start open, like other countries start opening up, 
they're going to go on these big tours again. It's just the way, it's the way it is, the way it works. Yeah, and it's always been a cycle with them too, where you know, studio break, let's escape from the studio. Yeah, sick of the stu- sick of the studio. I mean, it's all been part of their history, and 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 it's I don't know whether it's a concentrational thing, whether it's a, a boredom thing, whether it's the fact is it's like they've really got to knuckle down, and and I'm just not quite sure around how all that really works within that sort of inner sanctum of actually sitting down and go, look, we've actually really got to be disciplined and get this thing done. Because I think with them, it's as you're right. So here's an opportunity to go and do Europe. Here's another opportunity to do the US, like particularly in mainstream markets. And then, well, we haven't done Australia yet or, yeah. And, oh. and, yeah. So it all, oh. it's all oh, part look of, out. Yeah. Look out, Australia, you yeah. said the word, you said that country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Any updates? No. Well, not when we've got a, a state that's actually like closed yeah. off from the rest of Australia. So that's, true. that's one element. People argue, well, other bands have, have, have booked dates here, which is true to a degree, but will they actually go ahead? We don't really know specifically around what what things will be in that specific time. So I think until we get – when the band comes out, you don't want to play two shows and then just, you know, that's a long way to go to settle your, your crew. Well, that's, and, well, that was, and that I, was the point I was going to make. Until we get all that settled and there's some, some certainty around how our borders all fit with each other, yeah. you're not going to organise a tour, but as you rightly say, from a logistical standpoint, it costs a hell of a lot of money to, yeah. to get gear here, rah, 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 rah. So, yeah, until all states come in line and there's a certainty around moving forward away from lockdowns, etc. I mean, majority of bands, I know some bands are actually starting to do it now, but maybe Metallica are looking at it and saying, until there's certainty there, we're not going to book. Yeah. So, yeah, and the other element is where does it actually fit in the tour cycle? Because yeah, my, yeah. My, personal, yeah. Yeah, my personal opinion is I think we've missed the hardwired tour cycle. So do you actually wait till you release a new album yeah. and then I start so. in Australia? Cause, yeah, and then start in Australia. So you might be 2023, start Australia because it's, what, six, seven, eight dates max um, and just kick things off here. So, yeah, because, again, I, I, think, I think even though they've rescheduled South America in, in that hardwired cycle and, and, mm. and promoted it as, as part of the hardwired um, tour, I don't think Australia will fit into that. So I just, it'll be a little bit further for us, a little bit more waiting time for us Aussies, unfortunately. Yeah, well, they, they did the same thing for Load. We missed, they didn't come out to Australia for Load, but then, then we were the first ones for Reload. So Poor retouring me, yes. Kicked off in Newcastle, actually. Kicked for the first go. show was in Newcastle, 1998. My first show. <laughs> there you first go, first show. show in, really? First show was in Newcastle, your hometown, uh, your first show my first was in your heart. My first Metallica show was, was, was it was there, yeah, the Newcastle one, yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah. That's not a bad little, uh, little uh, tick off the no, box. I had ACDC, that was first. Uh, my dad took me and then, uh, yeah, that was Van Halen and Pearl Jam, then Metallica. So, yeah. There you go. That was a good show, actually, the Newcastle show. Great show. Great show. Great show. Yeah. That was when they – that's when they started to incorporate – um the acoustic aspect into their show, which so was another not. another one of those <laughs> not metal, oh, what are they doing? Yeah. Things yeah. are questioning their insanity. What's actually happening? A metal band doing acoustic in their shows. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> just another one, to, just to be challenged. That's right. What more yeah. could you want from a band? 
Yeah, well, not just the metal band. But I wanted to talk, Jay, wanted to talk, Jace, about uh, you know the end of the first show, the 40th anniversary, and then the second show. I think they had one day off, and then they yeah back in were back into it again. So, so what were your expectations for the second show? Well, it was quite for me. It was quite um obvious what they were going to actually do. So yeah, so I yeah, so it was like they were going to flip the chronological aspect from their latest album to their last. So that was quite obvious in that sense, but it was just what they were going to actually do in between was going to be like interesting. And so I mean, they they pulled out yeah they pulled out um they pulled out some songs they haven't played for over ten years. Mm. Um, a lot of people maybe if I was going to be a little bit. If I was going to be a little bit critical, they maybe could have pulled out another world premiere. So have two world premieres back to back. Maybe another one off Relay, maybe a Prince Charming or an, another song that uh, House of Jack built off um, off Load. There's quite a few songs that they actually could have pulled out and played. Um, that was a, a real thing um, that, that James said after the end of Fixer. He said, "Oh, we've never played that before." before. Yeah, for good, re- for good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's and actually on their web, actually on their website, it actually says this is the first time um, uh, Fix has been played, and also any other fan base have to obsess over another new song to be premiered. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it was obviously within the band and, and all the inner sanctum was a bit of a bit of a to get that one out of the way, and yeah, we need to obsess about something else they have to debut. So yeah, yeah and there's all that. That sounded really cool. Like the band might have thought that, that it didn't, it wasn't their best performance, but yeah, they're so perfection. Sometimes, especially with a new one, they want to get it perfect and all that. But yeah, it sounded great. Like the the start of it with the the two different guitars, you know, on the album. Yeah. It's like the on the two different. You hear on one side, you hear on the other side. That sounded so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the I uh, I had a bit of time to watch it from the live stream perspective, and then obviously being there live, and mm. you can't draw even comparisons. And, and like I will say, there's an element that the live stream didn't really translate that well from from some perspectives. I know, like James sounded like he was reaching with a lot of things, and of mm. course, there's going to be an age element to that. So you yeah. can't be critical of that aspect. And I mean, if you're going to sit there and Lars misses one one high hat, <laughs> and you get, you're going to get that within the, the fan base. People complaining about certain things, but personally yeah, for me, yeah, I mean that's just being a Metallica fan, to be honest. Mate, I tell you what, I was, I was, I was seeing all these posts in your, your fan, your, um, your Facebook, and uh, yeah. sometimes I just want to go in there and go, Grr! and it's like, yeah. calm down, just let it go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I just see all these people that are just so negative and like. Oh, uh, you know, I want them to sound like the Injustice for All tour. It's like, what the fuck is that? You know? <laughs> well, well just stay at home and just, you know, I always say, just stay, put put the first four CDs in and just. That's right. Yeah, go. And just, just there's your listening catalogue because, as you rightly said earlier, they're more than just a metal band. There's a whole yeah. year, there's a certain year of certain genres. They challenge themselves. They challenge their fan base. That's why they're. You know, you don't sell nearly 150 million hours and, and, and have a longevity of 40 years for right. for no small reason. So there's all and those elements, and you're right. And I mean, yeah, I mean, some of it are quite ridiculous. And I, I, I'm at a stage now where my fandom and where I'm at as a fan too is I just laugh it off now. I yeah. don't get I don't get drawn into all that because I, I did saw I did see the same sort of com- comments too about some of the performance and issues and stuff. I said. Well, it's not about the performances. It's That's about right. celebrating 40 years. That's 40 right. Fucking 40 years. 
of being <coughs> a band, but not only a band, but a band of that status and that level that basically yeah. is a household name. You're like, that's just something not to be sort of just dismissed. So, of course, you can sit there and, and have your own opinion. It's not about that, but but also acknowledge the fact is it's about celebrating 40 years and that yeah. getting back to what we spoke about initially was that's what it was for me. It was wasn't so much about set lists and and what they did and what they do or ticking off another show or ticking off certain songs. It was just being there and just being able to say, oh, I experienced that and shared that with the band. Yeah. So that's that, that, that that's like for me like something that you can't take anything, you can't take that away from from that. And I always go back to, you know, when when people say that sort of stuff online, I, I go back to, you know, the time where the St. Anger, before St. Anger, when Jason left and then James went into rehab, I was like, they might not even be a band anymore, Metallica anymore. So for to come from that stage to where they are now, that's yeah incredible. They weren't that's even going to be a band. They were going to break up. So. That's so true. It's such an incredible career, and, and it's something to be highlighted. And, and you're right. There's There's been phases, and, and for a lot of us, I include myself, is that like we, we were actually living that real time. Mm. It wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like finding the band at a certain period after a certain thing. It was actually like we starting listening to the band around 86. You're living that like at, at real time. So there was periods where what the – like – the change of direction and the, the 180 in, in musical direction and and, and the, the change of look and then trying to appeal to a different type of demographic and then, you know, chopping and changing and then obviously people leaving the band, people going into rehab, um, all those elements, it's, it's just it's, it's like a life in itself. So, mm. again, getting back to my, my point is it's just something really worth, worth celebrating. So, exactly. I mean, putting all that aside, of course the songs are all that are the, uh, one of the most important aspects and and of course the, the set list is but the main part is just celebrating the fact is they've been around for 40 years yeah so i mean that's 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 so that's the, the main point about the whole thing but i mean it was interesting from night one to night two and how they actually did that and, and again getting back to your question was yeah i actually thought they did that really well and mm. and um through the set list and 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 pulling out some songs like bleeding me has bleeding me yeah hasn't Beautiful been played song. hasn't been played other than through acoustic avenues for ten years, that's mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a travesty. Australia. But that's the quality. Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not quite sure specifically when the last time it was. It was ten years ago. So, I mean, and then songs like "Wasting My Hate" and again we spoke about before. They just they transition really well in the set list with songs that come from a more metal approach, mm. but they still fit well in in, oh, yeah. in a set list. So yeah. again, like was, again, it's going to be interesting to see if they take anything from these shows and then move that into the future and, and where they sort of look at their their their, their set list and how they can um, sort of evolve and move into the future, but also pulling out some other issues and challenging themselves and and their fan base. Yeah, uh, would James's James's voice sound great again? I don't know what people were complaining about with James's voice. His singing was fantastic again. You could just tell, um, like before uh, our last podcast that we did, uh, talking Metallica, it was James was in the rehab when we were talking mm. about that. So um, I think he made his first appearance at that stage. So 
and you you look at that now and you see the photos of him at you know SNM two and what he had to go through to now, whew, you'd swear that it nothing happened and you know yeah, everything's sort of people, back, really. back to normal, right? It's two different people, really, but I mean it's it's but it's, it's also something that needs to be acknowledged and and continue to be acknowledged that there's an element of being a band of Metallica status that. And we, we spoke about it earlier about adding shows and dates and moving forward that needs to be put in place that protects specifically James and protects his his mental health and how the band move forward in that. So what happens is we all get caught up in as fans as oh they're coming here and they're playing more shows and it just James can be quite so the word I'm looking for is you can be quite vulnerable in that sense. So if you yeah. Just, and how that's going to be managed. So it's going yeah. to be interesting to see how they manage that because the, the, the I would say the 40-year shows from being there live and just seeing the intensity and the, the, the energy and and the power that they that they um, portrayed live and, 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 and the, in that live setting was really, really amazing. But that's going to be the challenge for them mm. to, to actually be consistent in and around those things because leading up to SNM two, you could sort of see such a deterioration of those elements yes. as they went through that tour cycle, and, and, and actually having seen them through t- 2016 and shows in 2017, and and having a bit of a break between those dates was interesting too. So you could actually see a deterioration of those things. So that's going to be the challenge for them moving forward. And it's going to be interesting how they again, move forward as a band to protect yeah. themselves physically because, you know, they are you know, getting close to 60-year-old, you know, so yeah. and, and, keeping, and keeping their legacy alive around those things too because, yes. as, as you know, as a musician, it, it's a fine line because if you push it too far, you, you, you start to dilute that, that legacy of, of, of what you're actually renowned for because, again, that 40-year show really highlighted that level of, of – uh, really highlighted feel like that level. So that'll be the challenge for them moving forward, particularly yeah. around those elements. And I think too, and and don't quote me on this, but the the last when they come to Australia, I don't think they bring their families. I think they're all sort of flying private jets all to Australia. They they stay in the one city and they just sort of fly to Perth. They fly to Adelaide. Well, mm. that's what they, that's what they did on the the last major tour that they. They did in Australia. They all stayed in Sydney, and then they flew to all the different yeah. all the different cities. So I remember seeing pictures of James, like he's taking fo- photos in his hotel, no family. So mm. like we've just said, like maybe that's what he's sort of worrying about. Like who do I talk to? You know, when I want to talk to somebody, you know. Do I have somebody here? Do I have family on Skype or whatever, Zoom to the temptation to, yeah. And that is the challenge for the band, isn't it? And specifically for him. I mean, he he needs to find strategies, et cetera, to like make sure that when there is, when you are starting to get that point where you are starting to feel burnout and you are starting to think about making some wrong decisions around personal choices, Hmm. That's the, that's the point where you've got to stop it, not let it progress into certain things, and then where you cancel a full full tour. Yeah. So I mean that yeah, that's absolutely. the point that they're at, and so that's the point that I'm trying to make is, is things have to be put in place now, moving forward. So it's going to be interesting to see actually how they do that because we've gone, as you rightly say, they they tour in certain elements, they've they've scaled back as in dates, as in consecutive days, maybe six six dates over twelve days, and then a two week break. 
So, so I mean, how much more can you push that? So if you do six shows, is it another month? Yeah. I mean, I'm not quite sure how you how you actually manage all that because is it feasible through logistics? I mean, it's real, it's a pretty complicated sort of area go area to go into. But but to protect to uh, protect the longevity of the band, it's going to be something that obviously Absolutely. they're they're thinking about and. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they actually do. Yeah, absolutely. And going back just a little bit, like uh, before they played the 40th anniversary shows, they they played like maybe I don't know, maybe a month or maybe two or three weeks mm. of of shows in the US. Always checking up to see what they're playing and how things are going. I noticed that if they played two shows in the one city. Uh, the first night would be like a, a greatest hits without the black album, and then the next show would be the whole black album. Uh, did you have any friends or so, people that went yeah, to those so, shows? So what happened? Yeah. So what happened? That was the the uh, DWP, the Demi uh, Wimmer Presents US Festival Consortium. So there's three or four or five different festivals that the band was scheduled to play last year. So that got rescheduled for this year. So yeah, so they actually kicked off with two warm-up shows. So they actually played two two actually club theatre shows, one in San Fran at the Independent, which was a small 200-seater venue, and at the Metro in Chicago. Chicago, yes. Yeah, so that they, these were like surprise, um, just warm-up shows for, for that festival run. Then they kicked things off in Kentucky at the Louder Than Life, which is, which is part of that rescheduled festival run and then they went to aftershock in sacramento and then they went finished that off with uh rockville which was in florida so what yeah. they actually did was those fest u.s festivals are a three-day three-day festival they they played on the friday night and on the sunday the friday night as you correctly said no black album songs but then they played the black album in full on the sunday so right. basically what it was so basically what it was was a no repeat festival no repeat song festival which was really, really interesting and a really, really new sort of um, approach to how they actually either sign with those festivals and offer a offer their shows. And it was, and in Lars' words, it was a bit of an experiment. And personally, I didn't actually see any of the shows. I spoke mm. to a lot of friends, etc. Yeah. Actually, didn't they? they? They thought they were really great. But again, if you if you're comfortable to see the black the black album played in full, which I certainly have an issue with, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, of course you are, but some people will. But, I mean, it's just a different way and approach of challenging yourself and putting forward um, particularly two, two appearances at one festival. Yeah. The one thing that sort of stuck out is like, <laughs> we were talking about their age. Like, they, they started the set off with uh, Whiplash. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So no time Brilliant. for mucking around, no time for warming up, just bang, straight into Whiplash. That was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that majority of those set list was uh, whiplash into Ride the Lightning into Harvest. Yeah. So there was like a trio of just bangers. And yeah. again, it, it sort of, and it points to back to the 40 year shows, just the, the level of intensity and mm. energy that they're actually showing at the moment is, is really, really um, encouraging moving forward. But again, it's going to be the challenging part is maintaining, maintaining. that. So we're, at that we're, at, we're, at, we're at that point again where they're going to have to find a way to manage that and, and to try and maintain that level. So it's um, going to be just, interesting. We're just getting back to the 40th anniversary shows. That Lars was on fire. He was like loving it. He was so pumped up and you know playing really hard. But yeah, like you said, trying to keep that consistently for you know like a 12 month tour or a, you know yeah. 
is going to be uh, something very difficult. But yeah, I saw some uh, YouTube clips, and uh, yeah, the band sounded great. James sounded great too. Yeah, very tight. Getting back on board, right? You know, having that That's time true. off during COVID, and it's like it's just like the same anger. We're just really fired up to just get out there and play again. So. I think that shows the best out of Metallica. Well, that's the silver lining in it all, too, that they're having a bit of time to reassess, to, to yes. rejuvenate, to, to sort of contemplate where where everything sits, um, particularly for James. You know, do, do I want to invest or what am I willing to give to put myself in that, that position again? And I think, mm. you know, that time was all beneficial. So that's the silver lining of the pandemic. And, again, it'll be interesting to see from a new writing new material aspect where that, that where that's going to transition into. So all that's really exciting. So I'm yeah, really excited is. for yeah. that where that this period and what that's brought out of James because as we as we're seeing through his evolving as a songwriter, etc. when he goes through those real personal um challenges, some of his lyrics can be like Oh yeah. And, and and like you wouldn't classify well I I do, but in general music you wouldn't classify like his write his his writing skills as a songwriter is not really what you know is what Metallica is known for, but some of his lyrics, and particularly those more personal re- records like Low, where he got real central and mm. like, really specific to himself, like brilliant. So it's going to be interesting to see where this period and where the new where new material sort of fit into that. Tasting, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those Load. I think he didn't his mother pass away like just before the Load recordings or the Load sessions and. You know, he, he had a lot of emotion in those in, in the lyrics sort of side of it too. Like, um, so yeah, let, let's let's see where he goes. It's all exciting, like you said, very exciting. And also another sort of uh, big landmark achievement for Metallica, 30th uh, anniversary of the Black Album. You know, it, it seems like yesterday that they come out, and you know, Sandman's being flogged on the radio, and Unforgiven's mm. being played so much. We get all these, you know, I haven't listened to all of them. I've listened to only some of them where they're actually getting all these different types of musicians and artists to, you know, mm. redo these songs. Reinterpret. Reinterpret's yes. the word. So it was actually so, called The Blacklist. So right. it, was, it was called The Blacklist. So you're right, they released the uh, remastered 30-year anniversary of The Black Album, and alongside that they released an album called The Blacklist, which was – a whole different range of, of artists that interpreted all the songs off the Black Album. So you had 12 versions of NSM and 14 <laughs> versions. It was quite actually overwhelming, to be honest. And, again, I, I really couldn't speak too much on it because I did lose a little bit of interest because it was just a little bit, for me, it was just a little bit too much of, you know, f- so many different versions of the same song. But, again, it was their opportunity to sort of get other artists to reinvent or reinterpret the, their songs. And it was a good marketing ploy because yeah. how they actually sold it was they went on um, American TV. Uh, actually, no, I think it was the Howard Stern, which mm. is a radio, yeah. syndic- uh, radio syndicated, huge radio syndicated program in the States, and they did a, a collaboration with Miley Cyrus. So with Nothing Else Matters. Matters. So, so yes. she did a version with, um, with uh, Elton John. On, um, on the blacklist as well. So, yeah, so, again, it was just another way to reinvent themselves. Obviously, there's a business side to that as well, of marketing side and, and finding another way to be a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, I'm hearing it in all the uh, the Major League Baseball, especially, that was their theme yeah. song. Uh, the, 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 it was the Miley Cyrus version. Uh, oh, yeah. 
uh, one of the new movies that came out like at the end of last Jungle, year. The Jungle Book, was it? The Jungle yeah, that's Book, it. Or... Yeah. yeah. My, nothing else. I was like, yeah. hang on, this sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Not the original version, but it's, you know, it's getting it out there. It's giving a song to people that would never spend any time to listen to Metallica and think, and that and that and that's part of the business side of, of again finding other ways to get your name into certain sectors and, and being more mainstream. Yeah. So I mean, it, it is a good it is a good business angle and another avenue now and it's really huge and I saw I saw a lot of it in the US is black and the black and whiskey. Oh yes. Black yeah. black the black and whiskey, which is giving it a bit of a plug, but. Um, check it? it out. I think it's through Grog Lords in Australia, but in the US, it's huge. And the merchandise side of it is like actually really mind blowing, and particularly from the fan base. I mean, I haven't really gravitated towards it. So the signed bottles and just all the different versions, and like it's just huge, and particularly in the collector's world, it is massive. Right. Yeah. It was actually a real eye opener. It was actually like really blown away. And you're talking about some of the biggest collectors in the Metallica fan base. Um, and, you, and you get that opportunity to to have, have conversations and and you know feel their passion and what their what their passion is for the band and a lot of it's collecting and and all that element which is brilliant so because it's not my thing so I really feed off the energy that they have for what um, their passion is and what they develop their what what they're gravitated towards for for that so I mean Blackham's so that was a really eye opener too so again they're finding ways to to get their name into certain other elements other than just the music. So, yes. again, another brilliant decision because that's – I mean, people were lining up 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to get signed bottles. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have 3 you tried, or 4 o'clock you, in the morning. Have you tried it, mate? Or did you get yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a good drop. So, in comparative terms to the the, the Enter Night beer, the, the beer that oh, they yeah. actually – that's chalk and cheese, so that that was quite right. distasteful. Like, just that's been positive, but um, the, the yeah, black and whiskey is actually quite nice. So um, I was lucky and fortunate. I've got a uh, couple of bottles when I was away. So um, yeah, it's actually quite. It, it actually is quite. It is a quite nice drop if you like yeah. uh, like the whiskey, and it is through your. I think you can get it now through uh, Grog Lords. So I'm plucking the whole thing off here. <laughs> um, Grog Lords in Australia. Um, I think it's all through online, but I think you can get it at Bottlows, et cetera, now, I, I think. So don't quote me on all that. But, um, again, it's, it's pretty popular in the collector's world, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I want to I get back to uh, the Molly Cyrus thing. When they – before they did the actual song, uh, Elton John uh, was talking about the song and what it means to him and, and, and all that. And he yeah. said it's one one of the I I don't know the quote, but he said someone was like one of the, one best of the greatest out, songs of all time. One of the greatest of all, songs of all, all songs. And then and then yeah. James started crying. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. he just got a very emotional. And he yeah. said for Elton John to and Lars was like the only one sort of not crying, but he was like the only one that could talk. And he just yeah. said for you to say that that that's just for James. That's just he yeah. was just talking think, for James. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he actually said it was one of the greatest, most beautiful pieces of music that he's ever heard. I think that was more along the lines of what he actually said. Yes. And I and I actually have to agree with him. I mean, it is a beautiful song. Mm. It is a beautiful song, and what the meaning behind it, what the, the meaning behind it, the, the lyrical aspect, and and how the band then took that into the mainstream was like, and then how that song, and this goes back to the 40 year shows, is is a, is a really important step. 
into acknowledging 40 years of the band because a lot of people were saying or suggesting why acknowledge nothing else matters or NSM and they get overplayed, etc. But how could you not acknowledge those songs? Yes, if, of course. If you're selling, particularly if you're selling it and, and the actual name of the shows were um, 40 years of Metallica, that was a wording, 40 years of Metallica. How could you not acknowledge those yeah. songs in their history? Yeah, like you have to. So from my perspective, like you, ha- you had to play those songs. Yeah, we wouldn't be talking if they didn't. <laughs> no, no, you <laughs> wouldn't have a 40 years without Metallica, without That's those right. with those specific songs. So I get it from the perspective of the next level fan that might get to make, particularly the US fans or European fans that get to every second but, show or so most shows. Got, but I mean, they got to think about it from from a like a young young fan, you know, or yeah. or, or a dad that's a hardcore fan, you know, going to the first show. If they don't play in a Sandman or nothing else matters for the first show, you're like, oh, you know, I really wanted to hear in a Sandman. That's the that's the song that you know is played yeah. on the radio that's, still to this day, you know. And if you're if you're and this this includes me in this conversation because that's where I share my passion and dedication is getting to the show. Mm. I've got to accept if I'm going to make that commitment and passion to go to a show that they're going to play those songs. You're going to hear that. So yeah. I mean, it's just I know that's that that's 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 quite obvious but it's actually quite true and then you've got to be you've got to accept that that's going to be the case so there are certain staple songs like pup you can include puppets in that you can include yeah. one quite yeah. actually surprising they actually didn't play for whom the bell tolls at 40 years shows that was the one surprise mm. outside of the set list i'll just put that in there but then nothing else matters like those those songs are always going to be in the set list and you've just got to accept that and move on that's the challenge for the band is, is how you work around other albums and eras and include them and then having a more broader broader perspective or broader um outlook on what what songs you're actually playing in your shows because i think not having any of the reload or late era songs is has been sort of a little bit peculiar but Mm. um again that's the challenge that they have with such a massive and um incredible backlog uh uh, back catalogue and you're trying to fit the new songs from the new album, and if it's successful, yeah. you want to put four or five songs in there, and then what songs do you take out to replace the new songs? And yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> that, and that that's exactly it. I mean, a lot of that all does fall on Lars, but and as you've seen, and and we we know this with Saint Anger is they those songs have a different, in my opinion, those songs have such a different feel live. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, the, the production elements around St. Engel, we can argue all day around the, the drum sound, et cetera. But when you hear them songs live, they have a different feel. So even including them. So at the 40-year shows, we had we had Frantic. But then we also had Dirty Window, which was, like, yes. for me, another one. Just such a bouncy, heavy, bouncy groove and such such a great metal riff and that 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 staccato into that real stop, change, heavy sort of bouncy like again, it's such a different feel live. So that was they've a, got a lot to think about for the Saint Anger tour in Australia. That was a, a, a standard song in the in the set yeah. uh, for uh, that whole tour. Uh, they were yeah. playing three songs off Saint Anger: Saint Anger, Frantic, and Dirty Window. Um, yeah. every, every every show, I think they they on the last show they put the unknown feeling in instead of that was that uh, was the my, that was a that, that was a that was the Maya music bowl which was a side show yes because yes. I, I actually i actually went to that show as well because i i actually went to the two festival shows in sydney 
And I couldn't get the time off work to get to the festival show in Melbourne, but I thought, well, I'll do the sideshow, which I actually did okay. in Brisbane as well. And those sideshows were, you're right, some of the, those sideshows were, were incredible. And you're right. Yeah. Those St. Inga songs were just, well, yeah. that, that they're, they're brutally heavy. Yeah. And, and, that they, they, and that they have that real Metallica trademark middle section. You know, that and real staccato. Kurt Hammett uh, playing the solo where it probably would yeah. have been in when they were like yeah. working out the song. So uh, it was also good to hear that. Kurt just like wailing away. Yeah, just what? a bit of, in, yeah, bit of improvised <laughs> solo in a, in a song that didn't have, didn't have and essentially have a solo. So, yeah. I mean, all that. And, that, that's, and yeah, they just enjoying themselves, really. But I'm well, getting back to the mic. Yeah. Kurt Hammett was saying also that uh, he, he couldn't believe the. Uh, the outcry for not having the like the solos in it. So, you know, everywhere they went, I, I, I don't think I've heard a St. Anger song live that doesn't have a solo in there. So, well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean that that period of time is really relatable to the album itself. Yeah, so, I mean, no solos. I mean, the drum sound. I mean, we, we can all <laughs> sort of rehashing a lot of old. I mean, but yeah, it's, really, it's yeah. a representation of where their headspace was through their music. That's how you can sum up St. Anger. I say St. Um, Anger yeah. is that, that uh, you know, they're still a band. But my, and that's right, and that's what actually transitioned from that period into, you're right, into, into another phase of their career. And it is really, it is a really important album from a timeline perspective. But I'll say it again, live, those songs are killer. This is a challenge that they've got, if that's the word you want to use, moving forward. And I'm sort of hoping that the 40-year shows has, has, has really highlighted that you can put certain songs from certain albums, certain years, and they all fit in a well-balanced set. And when we can sort of chop and change certain, certain things and not get a little bit static in and around our choices. So that's my hope moving forward around, particularly the set list anyway. Yeah. And... Like getting back to the 40th anniversary, uh, like the 30 years of the Black Album, uh, shocks me. <laughs> Amazes yeah. me how time flies. Have you got that? Have you got the re, the like the mastered, uh, the reissue yeah. of the Black Album? Tell us about that. Well, I got the, the uh, deluxe box set, which which was a which was um for fan club members and um which which then become available pretty well worldwide. Um, that was just a lot of depth. There was there was um, uh, d- three DVDs from each different era of the, the different leg of the three years of the Black Album. So from the Monsters of Rock, which was 1990, you had a 1991, which was in the middle of the wherever we may roam, and then you had the Nowhere Else to Roam, which was 1993. So you had all that different era and different phases of the album, which was really brilliant from a DVD perspective. You can see the involvement of how those songs sort of fit in the set list and then you just go into a lot of um different versions different sort of um uh, different sort of production values so there's like a mixed element there so and there's a lot of uh different memorabilia and it's actually out of the remastered box sets that they've actually done for me it's actually my favorite yeah right so they've actually done the remastered box set for their last five albums uh, this one's actually my favourite. So I mean, yeah, there's so there's so much to, to unpack in all of it, in a sense. But it just really highlights that era, and for me, it, it's like the pinnacle of their career. I don't like, I don't think for me, there's no argument about that. I think that was that that was as good as they actually got, and, and I would like about 
and easily probably the best band in the world at that specific time. Yeah, because like um, yeah. when they were, when they were like promoting it, like before it come out, they had Jason, you know, talk about a few stories about Black Album and recording and, and what basses he used and all that sort of stuff. So I think that would like, prompted that he might appear somewhere down in the future, but it, it didn't actually happen. Yeah. So well, it was good to see that. Yeah, obviously there's chemistry there around what Bob Rock brought to those songs. So what he did was was he actually, from a musical standpoint, he got Jason not just to follow the the guitar line, was actually work more with the more work more with the bass. So have a rhythm section, and what that brought was a different element to the band, which brought that real groove orientated element into the band. Then that power that power groove, which Metallica then become really really famous for. Yeah, and I actually think that I, I think that in the pocket groove, that power groove, and that real heaviness, like the sad, sad but true type songs, is actually where where Hetfield's voice really comes and really really matured into what we know as James. Now it started it it started in Justice, don't get me wrong, but then it evolved into the Black Album, which then evolved into the live setting, and I think that's where they really hit their peak and their pinnacle of their career, and that was like. Um, again, particularly from a commercial mainstream sense, Metallica will probably be the biggest band in the world at that particular time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, did Bob Rock actually uh, re-mix uh, the mastered version, or was it the guy from the um, Hardwired to Self-Destruct? No, it was, uh, it was the Hardwired Greg Filderman. Right. Okay. So he, yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I, I, Bob Ross didn't have anything to do with it or no? No, no. Not not from a not from a was not from the remastered standpoint. So the remastered version, like I've only heard Sandman and I think Sad but True. So like uh, like for you, is there any sort of difference? Is it just or just like makes it loud makes it louder? Yeah, well I use the word it just pops a little bit more. So I mean there's elements around the vocal like the vocal delivery and and the elements, but I mean it's not drastically that different because you know why because it's a goddamn perfectly produced album already yeah so yeah, exactly. when, when you actually hear what so what this is my point around the other remastered pop sets and you hear the actual remaster you can hear sort of a, a significant difference in, in in some of those other those reissues but the black album is not really that that much of a great difference but again get for me it was so much more of the, the live setting and seeing them live yes. again at that particular point because they were right, particularly when you see the 1990s, which was they, they did a tour for the Monsters of Rock, which was with ACDC, and they did it with they did shows through Europe to promote the Black Album. So 1990, and you could just they were on the cusp of of like going to that next level, and there was a real sense of when you heard them live, a real sense of confidence that was getting exposed, and just the level of power and intensity, and it was like this band is just just about to like implode, and you can see it in that live performance but then that snowballs into actually when they're on that specific tour after the album was released and that's what you see you see a real confidence particularly in james just with his body language and his yeah his, just his just his um his banter between songs you know just the drum sound all all the all those components just sort of rolled into like that specific time just highlighting just how just how crushing and just what level they got to and and it's actually really presented into them sort of going into other areas and other genres, but they really maintained a level 
right right up until uh, as as we speak today, like yeah. that that one specific album. And you were there for, in '93 for the Black Album in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So, so what are, what, are, what are some what are some of your memories of those shows? Memories of those. Uh, well, again, like being, I, I was, I first, my, my journey started with Metallica around 86, so I actually saw them in 89, so there was a transition from, like, that real, like, uh, brutal, real angry, real, like, that the heavy metal aspect, but then seeing them in 93 was, um, there was a real, again, it's, it's what I actually just mentioned before, there was a real confidence and a real, real level of professionalism and mu- musicianship, but, but it was, but, but also the polished. power and intensity. Yeah. So polish, great work, polished, real mm. polished with, with everything that they were doing. And, and and that was a sense what I can actually remember. And, and, and again, it's like even when I see them now, there's this sense of like there'll be a period of a song or a moment where you, you, you're getting in a song where you're just, holy shit. <laughs> you know, like when you see a band like Metallica, like it's like, holy shit. You know, this, there'll be an element in a song or there'll be like a passage and you'll go, out and I, I can remember that on that specific tour because again the justice tour was like actually just surviving in the pit <laughs> like that, that's how i remember it it was yeah. like you're, you're just you're 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 a teenage just getting yeah you're just getting yeah horde pavilion yeah, the old yeah. horde pavilion so again it was the first time in the pit first time get being exposed to that type of a uh, band first time first time for you know first time of experiencing that level of intensity in, in a show and you're actually just trying to survive because there's elements of copping stray elbows and <laughs> trying to breathe and, you know, get, get all that. And then going to a, a three or four years later, seeing them in, in, a, in a, like, Sydney entertainment centre, which was at that, yeah, at, yeah, at that specific time was, like, state of the art. So it was, like, that next step. And my point is, is they were just more than ready to go to that next level. Like, they were just made to go to that, that next level. That's what it actually highlighted was they were just ready to go from just that underground, metal, angry, I've got a point to prove chip on the shoulder type band to like, we are the biggest band in the world and we're yeah. going to fucking actually show you. And so that, and that's, was, that, that, that's the sort of level of confidence, you know, with James and his, you know, that's where all the, that posturing and, you know, all that yeah. sort of element of him being that front man really, really, really become established. Yes. So like for me, like that acknowledgement of that era and how I feel about that era will always be the same. It will always be, for me, the apex of, of their career. I've seen videos of it and, you know, just looking back at it, just, yeah, like you said, they were in their prime. And 93 for Australia, I mean, they probably have done like 100 shows, 150 shows yeah. before that anyway. So yeah. they were That's right, true. right into the groove. Like they knew what songs were coming up and, you know, just very yeah. – very on to it yeah yeah so we we got that we got the what was classified then as the last leg of that the black album tour which was the nowhere else to roam leg so right. we got the out we, we actually didn't get the the snake pit configuration arena stage show we got the outdoor configuration which was converted for the australian shows which then they went to europe and did a um outdoor stadium run which was the back end of the black album so you're right. So we got that right at the very back end, which was possibly probably a good thing because um, they were right in that zone of, oh, of, yeah. um, of just being right in sync. And, you know, as Jason, we're just a wall old machine. And, they, yeah. and that's probably a good way to describe it, to be honest. They were just yeah. right in that sweet spot of knowing what worked, what didn't work, 
um, set lists were great. I mean, the Black Album songs all fitted really well within older material. And that's just, and that's just probably, a smell yeah. and, you know, yeah, yeah just, just, I mean, all that seek and classic. destroy 15 minute, yeah. 15 minute version of seek and destroy or <laughs> yeah, all, all that, all that element, you know, and, and you, you'd literally walk out. And I can remember even to this day is like literally those shows, you literally walk out and you just lay on the ground and you'd like, it'd take you a week and it'd literally take you a week yeah. to actually get over the shows because there was that, still that element of, it was aggressive, but it was all that, those elements of those of that type of music but um yeah yeah it was just great great a great era to be involved with the band and, and being a fan of the band for sure and by the time that the concert's finished normally at the entertainment center only mcdonald's <laughs> only mcdonald's would only be over that's right that's so right straight everyone's lining straight. up to wait to get ice water and then yeah. all of a sudden because the lineup was outside the door, they started charging yeah. like a dollar for for That's like right. an ice ice water, and it's like, oh, you grubs! Come do you on. remember? Do you remember was, the entertainment center was right near Chinatown. Yes. So what you used to do was you go to the shows, and then everyone filled up, and there'd be a couple of the 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 the, the China the China um Chinatown pubs. Yeah. So they'll, yeah. Like, oh, they'd, yes, all, yes. they'd all go. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, there's they'd be the only ones that would, would take the. Would, I wouldn't say stupid, but Obviously, they're thinking from a financial standpoint. Well, we have got these band like because realistically they shouldn't be open. But we're yeah. going to open because all the pubs and all that around the entertainment centre be closed. But all the Chinatown specific bars and clubs would open. We go. Well, we're just going to get people to come in. And I can remember like after the Metallica, one of the Metallica shows. Um, I think it was in '98. We ended up back there, and you'd be sitting there drinking Chinese beer and stuff like <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. You know, like they were, they were, they were really good old days before they actually closed it down. It's actually they've actually pulled it all. Down now, so yeah, I heard that. No long, no long exists. Yeah, no long exists now. Unfortunately, changed all names, but I think like they're going to the the Acer Arena or whatever Acer, it's called yeah. now. Kudos, yeah, kudos, kudos, yeah. Yes. but it's a bigger venue, you know. So I guess that's you know. Uh, there's the talks of getting the entertainment center back together. There's a bit of a landmark there with so many good no, bands. No, actually, it's all it's all been redeveloped, buddy. It's a beautiful right. redevelopment, uh, redeveloped. Um, uh, public living spa- uh, living space, beautiful restaurants, um, bars, living accommodation. It's actually really beautiful. So all that area through there now, which goes into Darling Harbour, is um all been redeveloped. So they pulled all that down, and you get to the Glassyhouse Brewery and etc. at the top end of Darling Harbour. Yeah, yeah, sh- sh- check it out. Check it out. And sorry, one more thing about the Black Album. Um, I watched a bootleg of the Sydney uh, Bobby again. Cheers, Bobby. Haven't seen you Bobby. for a while, mate. Bobby, standard, Bobby. standard, Lofton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he like the shows went for well and truly over three hours. Three hours. Uh, oh, three hours. You know, yeah. with with guitar solos and drum solos and bass solos. So yeah. Um, one of those days, uh, like not even. Other bands are doing three-hour shows. It's normally like a two-hour. That's that's the cutoff. But yeah. yeah, three hours. Wow. Three hours, and then and then the US shows, and well, the actually the arena show itself. They had that. They had a specific movie, which was like the making of the Black Album and and, and their career, etc. Which was like the, the make the making of the, the um, Metallica, etc. So there was like a specific movie, and they cut to them in the change room. You've obviously seen the live shit into yeah. Purge. Yeah. So, so that was like obviously a big part of that main tour. But the Australian League, et cetera, we, we actually got a band called Caius. Oh, yeah. Which was, yeah, yeah no, mate, they were really good. So they were really good. So 
not only did he get three hours of Metallica, he got like a good 45 minutes of a really solid oh, yes. support act. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I really remember about that tour too. They were like, and they were a really big up-and-coming band at that specific time too. So, really original sound. And I can't, yeah. rem- I can't remember, how many shows did they play on uh, tour? 300, I think. No, for, in Australia? for Australia? Yeah. Oh, that, was like that specific tour? Two or, oh, three each, two or three in each city? I think they played – I know they played three in Sydney because they actually sold the first two and then put a third show on, which in the in the schedule became the first show. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, so so I actually went to the three. So they all they did was they played two nights with a night, – night three and night two were the same and night one, which became the third, was, was a different – they changed maybe one or two songs out of – maybe out of the encore, but um, it was all pretty structured around the same sort of set list. So, I mean, if you're looking for sort of different type, if you're looking for a real yeah, ch- ever-changing set list at that specific time, it really wasn't, it really wasn't the case. It was really, um, really, really structured. But the songs were so strong, I don't think it really mattered. But, again, we're talking about three-hour three hours, uh, shows. And it was a different era too. And it wasn't like now where you're getting real-time information, you're getting like people have opportunities to discuss and you've got, you got your forums and you've got Facebook groups and all that. Just all magazines, real time. right? Ben yeah, magazines. yeah, I mean, real yeah. time. Or, or, yeah, like, I mean, the only way you knew what well, – the only way I knew um, where they actually were was actually – I remember the tour program. Yeah, right. The tour yeah. program you bought at the show and you'd actually, oh, look, look where they've been. Or you're right, you, you'd get a – You'd get a Kerrang or a Roar or a Metal Edge from from the local um, news agent, which was three months behind anyway due to import lag. <laughs> so I mean, it, the whole thing was just it was a completely different era how we digested everything. So you add that to the shows as well, where now it's you know if you, if you compare what the uh, uh, the World Magnetic Tour, look mm-hmm. at the look at the set list on that. And I mean we you, I mean you experience this as much as anybody like. For, well, I mean, 40, I think they played 21 shows, 21 yeah. shows in Australia and New Zealand with 44 different songs. 44 different songs, 21 shows in Australia. You'll never ever see that again, ever. Yeah. Ever. I went to ever. all of them. I went yeah, to all. so there you go. Yeah. So there you uh, go. Actually, uh, you the, only go. One I, the only one I didn't do was uh, Christchurch, but I, I did the yes, uh, Auckland yeah. and, yeah, I did the whole. So there you go. So they, I, I can I can remember the I did I think I did about ten I know I did I know I did all majority of the East Coast I didn't do the Perth and I didn't do Adelaide but I remember the the back end the back end of the Melbourne shows and I can remember it was like Phantom Law Clover Die yeah. Eve I disappear yeah. like all in one show and then if you add the other I think they did quite, don't quote me I think they they did they do five they did five Melbourne shows and four Sydney shows. That's right, yeah. because yeah. So and I did one Brisbane. So yeah, that, you add that you add those songs to like the other four shows with. I mean, I could just rattle on. Um, Jump in the fire. There was Bread Fan. There was Am I yeah. Evil. There was I mean, there was a whole different range of different like like again, forty four different songs. Ticking off like, the just, list, just, you know. It, it was it was a good good time to just like trapped under because, ice. Yeah, yeah, because like they were just. I think what they were doing is if they had three or four shows in the one, they'd just like pick a particular album and then put like songs around it. And then the next night it'd be puppets and then yeah, they'd put songs true. around that. And then Justice for yeah. All put songs around that. So yep. yeah, we we're very, very lucky for that tour. Cause that was like the end of the tour. Right. So 
they were, they that was were, the end of the tour. Yeah, they were, they were getting That's true. you know getting ready for you know, and they were really happy. They were all the band were just really in a good mood at that time. So yeah, that, and, that was some think really of, good and times. And you, and you think of the logistics of that tour as well, because I know for a fact what they were doing was was they were doing two weeks worth of shows and then going they, home. They went back to the US. Yeah, and, and then they back come back, and, and, and they come back three or four times to Australia. I mean, that that that's that that's the point there. Around we were discussing it before. I mean, you just can't do that now. Like yeah. you just you just physic you just physically they just physically wouldn't be able to do that for a whole different range of reasons. And not only logi- from a logistical standpoint, but just managing <laughs> managing that type of show, yeah. that level. I mean, and and that's my point around. You'll never ever see that in Australia again, which is sad, but it's also it's also just. Just a reality, just where the band is at. So, um, and that was the, the, at that time. I, that's what I was thinking, like grabbing that opportunity, like to yeah, tra- having to travel to uh, the US to see one or two shows. It's in my backyard, you know. They're playing twenty shows. Let's yeah. see if I can do it. <laughs> it yeah, was, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's 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 incredible that you're able to do that. And again, it's all about timing, isn't it? I mean, we're yeah. all in different aspects and timings of our life, and. I mean, and again, if you're in a fortunate situation where you can have the ability to do that for, for whatever reason, whether work commitments or relationship commitments, et cetera, because, it's, again, it's it's a challenging thing. And, and I, I have these discussions with a lot of people within the fan base about being an Australian fan. Mm. And the thing for us is not so much, and it's never, ever about show numbers. It's just no. the level the level of dedication it actually takes and loyalty to yeah. stick with the band because, for one – Majority of the fan base actually don't get to see them other than maybe every five or six years, but they're still loyal enough and supportive enough to stick with the band. So that's one why I always respect a lot of Australian fans like yourself and there are a lot of others, a lot of others. But then if you do have that ability and opportunity, you actually make such a level to actually travel. And that element of and and, and the the lengths you actually go to to actually travel. And I don't think a lot of the other fan base actually really understand because no. obviously they don't. It's it's no different to the opportunities that they have because they're an American band, yeah. you know, they're an American band. So obviously they're going to have an opportunity to see them more. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting to get around and have a chat with people that are at that level and make seeing Metallica their priority. So I'm talking people have seen, seen them 150, 200 times. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing to sit down with people like that and, and their stories and, Seeing them with clear for yes. seeing them multiple times on a blackout, or you know, seeing them multiple times in different venues and, and and all those opportunities. So, I mean, it's such a wide and varied, and and for me, very respectable um, fan base. Well, I just remember like going to that Tommy's joint, just meeting these people that have you know, oh yeah, I saw them on the Master of Puppets tour with Cliff playing. And- yeah. You know, the Ride the Lightning tour, you know, doing, like, the, the U.S. And it was, like, yeah, it was just mind-blowing. Just, like, tell me more. Like, I'm a Spartan. Well, that, you come on. Well, that, that's and that's the point. What we spoke about it initially was, and, and I'll, I really want to discuss this too, is the, they actually um, they actually sold the weekend as Metallica Takeover. So not only did you have Metallica in their two shows, you also had oh, elements yeah. of, you also had elements of a side project, which was the Kirk wedding party. Hammett. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk, so Kirk and Kirk and Rob have a side project called the wedding wedding party. So you have, mm. uh, I think, ex Ugly Kid Joe. I think it's Whitfield Cranes, uh, oh, the lead right. singer from that. You've uh, got ex uh, Queen of Stone. What is it? Queen of, Queen of Stone, Queen Stone, Age. of Stone, Age, Stone Ages. 
Queen of Stone Age, guitar, ex-guitarist, mm. and they're a cover band. Like they, they were playing covers like Aces. They were playing ACDC. So this was – so let me frame it. This was night one. You had the Metallica show night one, and then at the Fillmore, they had the wedding party after night one, night one show, so yes. the wedding party. So what happened was well, – it was actually brilliant. Someone within the fan base, I'll give her a rap, um, curse. She's actually a member of, of my Facebook group. Decided to have put a bus element to it, so you could leave on leave on the bus and get to the Fillmore because that was always going to be the most difficult part, just from logistics. But what happened was was it actually went from my Facebook group into the main um, official forum. So there was initially <laughs> going to be so it was actually five buses. There was over three hundred people. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was just one element of just that was just made the whole thing amazing. So, long story short, is we we did night one, and then we all filtered on to get all these buses. We're all crowded on these buses, and then we all get bus to the Fillmore, yeah. and then we're all ready to go and see. Um, we got I mean like they had a memorabilia wristbands and everything, so they all went like to the next level to acknowledge the bus them all. Yeah, so right. just a small little another little <laughs> layer, and you're right, and you, you get talking to people and. Um, you, get, you know, sitting on a bus with someone from Germany or Poland or Czechoslovakia or uh, wherever, another part of the U.S. and you're just having these discussions and, and, and like, some of the stories are just amazing. Like, yeah, I saw Cliff and we were just hanging out backstage, had a couple of wow. beers and saw him in Fresno and, you know, and just some of the stories. And, and like, it's just amazing it's like the, the history some people have with the band. Yeah. I, I like, I, I actually didn't know, to be honest. I, I didn't know, like... Uh, my friend Chris, uh, who went to the the Metro show uh, in Chicago, they also went to the yeah. 40th. Uh, Chris, Chris and Katie, yeah. And they said, "Oh yeah, have you got your tickets for the wedding uh, party?" And I was like, "Who?" Yeah. And yeah. It's like the wedding party. Are you going or not? And it's like uh, I don't yeah. know. So, <laughs> so what happened was, was they again they sold it under the Metallica. It was all part of, of a ticket process which fell under Metallica take um, takeover. Right. Of, of obviously San Francisco, which all fell under the 40-year umbrella. So oh, that was, was, like, was that like Rod, Rod Halfen, like the book launch? Yeah, yeah. And, so, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. so you, you, had, you had opportunities for um, uh, there was a Ross Halfen uh, book signature um, event. There was actually a trivia night leading up to the first show, which was done by Stefan Shirazi, which was brilliant. I actually went. There was, oh, that was brilliant. Cool guy. Um, so it was just a fun night, just with a whole different range of different um, – Fan bases from around the world actually hung with a lot of the Brazilian um, militia. They're actually crazy, like most passionate <laughs> fans. But then also what they added was um, they actually had the night, the night between two shows. They actually had, and this is very interesting, so you had three bands. Bastanane, they're, they're an up-and-coming band. Caster Hetfield on drums. Oh, interesting. Then you also had a, then, and then uh, you had an, uh, another band uh, called Ty, uh, um Taipei, Taipei Houston, which is Lane, uh, Lane and Earth. yeah, yeah, Lane, does, does and Miles, Lane, Lane and Miles. So they're actually both <laughs> wow. sons. Wow. And then you have a band called Otto, which is um uh, Ty Trillo. Oh right, so that, yes. So, yeah. So this was all part of the uh, ticket process. You go have options to go to all these, or you could actually buy the whole package. And basically, there was memorabilia added, there was, and it was called an upgrade package. And, he, and there was memorabilia. There was everything. A friend of mine got it. Oh. It was like every sh- every shirt they released. So this is a forty year shirt. Um, all the posters, all the memorabilia. They got a sign, uh, set list from each night. So it was an upgrade. So you actually had a- access to go to each individual event. Wow. 
Did you go to those shows like the, with the, yeah, the yeah, sons? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Otto, anyone listening, do yourself a favour and listen. Uh, Otto is one band that will is actually going places. So yeah. they're a three-piece, just really, really and, – and we were talking about Kai's before, that real bass-heavy, really down-picking, really that real, that real power groove. So yeah. it really fits into that mould. Taipei it, Houston is, is um, a bit, bit like the White Stripes. Oh, yes. That real, yeah, that, that's how I describe them. Again, I'm not a musical aficionado around describe like that. I mean, that's that they fit in that real sort of that sort of groove. I actually didn't get to see uh, Bastardine. They've been around for actually a while, but the cast has apparently just come on board as, as, as a new drummer. So I actually didn't get to see them. But yeah, uh, James was up. You see James up in there. James oh, yeah. and the, the other band members were all up in a, a section up in prefects of the building, so you could actually see them all up there, all giving you high fives. Oh, you know, possibility <laughs> coming out for a jam. But again, yeah. it was about giving their giving their sons an opportunity to get exposed. But I, yeah. I tell you, I was I was there are three great bands. So mm. I mean, they'll, they'll find their own way in the, in the world and uh, through their own musical talent. Actually, brilliant. Yeah. I do remember that uh, Rob Trujillo's son. Yeah, he he played yeah. in Corn. For one yeah. tour, because Fieldy got uh, he got sick or something, or he left the band. He filled in on uh, bass for the rest of the tour. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's his band. It's his. So Otto is his band. Right. So or not his band, but he's part of that band. So and a big part of their sound because it is real bass heavy and they they are heavy and I mean they were they were uh, they were really really good. So I mean yeah. they are really a band to look out for. And then you add that to um. The wedding party, which again, which are they, they are strictly a cover band, mm. but you've got some really established musicians, and like it was just amazing to see Kirk and Rob after doing a two-hour Metallica set, then go on and do that till like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so you know wow. they didn't kick off till like mid, they didn't kick off till midnight. So I was two, so at least two o'clock in the morning. So I mean those boys, man, have got some energy, and that, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, if I they really it. look after, yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry, I saw I saw Kirk there like playing the song and he was thrashing himself around. Yeah. He was like having a having a ball, Kirk. Yeah. So again, just just the cover mm. band. So there was Ace of Spades. There was uh, I remember um, Livewire from ACDC, Highway to Hell. Nice, nice. Um, just 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 a lot of like uh, old school sort of rocky sort of sound. But again, just really established musicians with a whole like just a high level of quality. And mm. you know, just you just you just. I was just in a little, like in a mind funk, just going, this is just unbelievable. <laughs> and again, because again, just because you just experienced like one of of, um, of the forty year shows, and then all that element, and it was all fun, and you're hopping on a bus, and it was all, and everyone's high five, and it was just like a big Metallica family, and it's just all people from all around the world, and you hop on a bus, and you go to Fillmore, and that brought up a lot of memories and etc. emotions from the thirty year shows, because we all stood out a lot, and that's where you and I met. Yeah. You yeah. and I met on. That's how I vividly remember you and I. Me being in line, I was with a lot of French. I was with a, a, a French, a, a French crew because I, I actually was his plus one for the thirty year shows. And I just, rem, I just remember hearing that Aussie accent, <laughs> like through three or four rows back. Yeah. And I walked up and said, "How are you, mate? Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the hill, the hill at Newcastle." <laughs> no, that's that's how we met. That's that's yeah, the truth. Yeah. That's and I said, "I'm from Car. I'm from Cardiff." And like that's just how we met. Yeah. It's like in a in a, in a line in fourteen thousand kilometres from home, <laughs> in a line to see Metallica. I mean, it's 
Okay. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of uh, and the power of music and, and having a connection with a band where you can these 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 sort of relationships and all that are so organic and you can meet that way. And then what we've known each other now for ten years and yeah. I consider you a, a good friend of mine. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And mate, I, I'm I'm dying to get back and uh, have a beer with you and get go to the beach and do all these things. You know, it's it's unfortunate, but coming back to Australia, you had some health issues oh well i actually caught covid so yeah. i mean i don't know yeah i mean well that was that was always a risk about uh making that decision to travel at that specific time mm. so you know you have those conversations with family i mean what actually goes through your mind is in that sort of situation is, is you know who, who you who else are you going to put at risk all those sort of elements but you know it was, it was an, an easy decision for me it was the risk versus reward so unfortunately, Omicron had just kicked off two weeks before, so first week of December. Mm. So obviously that was already widespread in the US. So I actually know, I know of at least 20 people within the Met family that got COVID or, or healthy or fine. And through the official forums, there was actually a thread. There was actually over 100 and something people actually got COVID through that period. So again, thankfully, yeah. what I know of, most people are, are healthy and, and for me it was very very mild what i would have put put down essentially without actually having a mandatory test for when i arrived home i would have just put down just due to the change of weather it was just mm. a, a congestive um element just in my face and just a bit of a slight headache so again we can just put we can talk about covid etc yeah to to the okay. cows come and it's all multi-layer but thankfully for me with my You're personal choices around how I look after with how I look after myself, how I live my life, yeah. played a big part in um, big part of just not having a major issue with it, other than obviously missing Christmas because I was in home quarantine. So uh, that's something that I had to live with. Yeah. So I mean, I ended up coming back and and um, not getting my result, which was quite distressing because of the situation here. Omicron really taken off, so it was just a melting pot of a whole different range of issues. But thankfully, I'm I'm uh, back fully fit, back at work, yeah. back back to normality now. So thanks That's for right, asking, mate. but all good on that front. Yeah, because when I heard I heard about it, I saw your post and it's like yeah, checking up on you just to make sure you're all right. But uh, well, that, that that's my sort of look at for the future. Yeah, I know they're playing a bunch of shows in in Europe uh, for summer. Yeah. So that's my plan. If I can't go home, I'd really like to uh, do some show. I've never done the European tour, so yeah, it's all, all new experience. I've Let's never do been it together. To, yes, I've never been Let's to Europe. I've actually, yeah, well, I've actually got a, a ticket to Vegas next month. Oh, I'm not quite, I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure about that. Just in terms of just where Omicron's going to fit, and just what sort of protocols and 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 where COVID all sits with that, particularly for travel requirements, not mm. restrictions. They are two different things. Travel requirements are quite difficult around Australia, so you still got to have PCR testing. So, I mean, I could actually still test positive and still contract the virus, but I actually won't even know. But you, because you test positive, you cannot board a plane. So you oh. still you take, there's still a lot of risk. I'm not quite sure about where all that fits, but if you're talking about Europe, well, that's probably something I'm probably more leaning towards. So, um, yeah. yeah, I reckon, yeah, mate, I, I, but I'll be definitely keen to do a couple of festival shows with you if you, you can yeah. at the back end. I'm very keen to uh, get over there and and do some sightseeing along the way. And I, I think you've already been there before a couple of times, right? Yeah, with touring. Yeah, I've been to Europe a handful mm. of times. Europe's mm. always a great place, particularly the the uh, non English speaking countries. It's brilliant to actually yeah. experience that because obviously they have no uh, no 
understanding of, of, of the wording, but they're so engaged. So it's really interesting to be part of. And they're so passionate too, the Europeans, yeah, so, and yeah. particularly, particularly, um, particularly the French are really, really engaged. And, uh, I think that actually, I think that festival is actually sold out, but there's Spain, Portugal, doing yeah, Italy. Italy. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, all our Switzerland, they're doing Verta, which is a great festival. Ooh. They're all excellent festivals. Go to all very well-respected and well-run festivals. And the future for Metallica. Last question, mate. Uh, Ooh, we're talking future about of Metallica. The, we're talking about a European tour. We're talking about a new album. We're talking about South America. So where, where are we going there? Well, I mean, I mean, if you listen to Lars, I mean, Lars is such an energetic, such a positive character, and he's always, you know, the best is yet to come, and... You always hear that, and but I've been, but again, just experience. And when you experience a show like that, and a, and a moment like that, and you see the level of intensity and the effort that they're willing to put in, you go, man, this band is still at such a high level. Yeah. Um, you know, anything's possible. There's that element, but then there's also the element, and it is for me anyway. The way I think is, I just hope they don't push things too far, which could end things prematurely so it gets back to my point around it's going to be a real balancing act because i think in lars's world he could go on for, I honestly think, <laughs> and i think he will i honestly think he will he'll go on forever yeah i just think he lives i think how he lives his life and his mentality is that is that way but i honestly think that you know the issue is going to be around james, james just yeah. how he can manage the touring and just the off stage type things as we're seeing with issues that he's had but I think COVID's been a silver lining, so I think that's going to add some longevity. But it's just going to be interesting the next next one or two years. But I mean, it just all looks really positive. And again, the 40 40 year shows was uh, just another highlight and such a milestone for him to to be positive and and to move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jace, I'll let you go. Great to chat to you as always. If I can't see you in Australia uh, before Europe, uh, let's make a plan. We will, buddy. Uh, That'd be some amazing shows over there. I'm really looking forward to it if uh, we, we can both get over there. Stay safe, my friend. You too. Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com.